NXT, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's the audio version on your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search Quasm or T-Watch the Scary Movies. And make sure to subscribe as well, and you'll be alerted when new episodes go up every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Video version goes up at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movies. You get to see this handsome face and what I'm wearing, including the fancy dancy new nice Halloween horror sweater here uh, that was suggested by uh, my good friend Erica, who has great taste, absolutely right up my alley. And I said, you know what? Go ahead and get this recorded. I'm not waiting until Halloween for this one. It's cold enough as it is right now. I like it. This thing came from fun.com. Pretty uh, pretty stylish, if I do say so myself. But uh, if you want to see stuff like this, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube page where new video reviews go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Subscribe to both because in addition to the Wednesday night episodes I do, a lot of times I have extra reviews that are coming out throughout the week as well. And then, of course, make sure you're subscribed to my link tree as well as to my letterbox because I put written reviews up of all my reviews as well too. You can find those links in the description for this video as well as the audio uh, the audio file description as well too on your podcasting platform. So make sure to get subscribed. So tonight we have two things to talk about. We have the next episode of The Last of Us to talk about. This is episode four. Please hold to my hand and and movie reviews. I am talking about the 2020 exorcism thriller, Pray for the Devil. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into things here. And we're going to start with Pray for the Devil. Now, um, there has been an endless, endless amount of exorcism movies out on the market in the last 60 years or so. Kind of crazy to think, but uh, yeah, horror's been around for a while, and exorcism movies have definitely been around just as long at that point. And some might say that they've all mostly just been chasing the exorcist level of quality when it comes to story, character, and scares, all right? That 1973 film is basically the benchmark, even though it's not my favorite exorcism film. Uh, give me a sweet legion. I am a huge, huge, huge uh, legion fan. I absolutely love it. One of the best jump scares of all time in Legion, The Exorcist 3. Uh, in my opinion, a much stronger story uh, because it's not necessarily an exorcism story for the last 20 minutes or so of the movie. Love it, love it, love it. But needless to say, first film is that benchmark, obviously. But after that, I mean, I couldn't say that there's more than three or four other films that are centered around exorcism that I personally enjoy. Uh, and it's a shame because uh, I grew up in the church. So things like demonic possession, things like the rapture, they absolutely scare the hell out of me and would freak me out more than anything else when I was like when I was younger, like more than killers and monsters and stuff, demons, possession, all of that. Whew, that is how you got under my skin when I was a kid. And you think that there would be a stronger connection there uh, with more of these films because there's so many of them out there, but I've found myself largely uninvested in the majority of these other films based around exorcism. 
I think part of that is because, like, the protagonists for the most part in these films are all the same. They're all standard priests, and there's only so much you can do with a character like that. This whole idea of doing an exorcism is that it's a person who is living this devout life. They're upheld to all of these morals, which makes them the right person to fight this demon. Like, they're pure of heart, they're pure of soul. Uh, and seeing that over and over just doesn't seem that interesting. So a lot of those ones that are in the same mold of the exorcist just don't do anything for me because we're seeing the same story over and over and over. Um, and I think that's why I enjoy like the Conjuring films so much because a lot of those films are about possession. And uh, whether you think the Warrens are grifters or not, because I, I, I like again I know the the stories that are out there about the actual real life Warrens. Regardless of what you think about that. The thing is, is that as a movie, um, they're basically making the Warrens these everyday average people who have just happened to devote their lives to helping out with some of these evils in the world. They're not necessarily priests, so they're not going to be like what we see in the majority of these exorcism movies out there. So it makes it more interesting to watch what they're doing a lot of the times than all of these other protagonists, all these priests, and all these other exorcism films that we see. And that might explain why Daniel Sam Pray for the Devil. It isn't anything spectacular, but it still manages to have a fun and fresh, uh, fresh and unique take on like the standard exorcism story. Uh, with the number of demonic possessions in the world rising, the Catholic Church decides that they're going to reopen exorcism schools so they can train priests in the rites of exorcism. Now, in the past, nuns have been forbidden from joining this practice. But Sister Anne, played by uh, Jacqueline Byers from Bad Samaritan, who herself suffered with the possession of her mother as a child, is given permission to uh, given permission as she shows she has this uncanny power to connect with the possessed victim. So, uh, and most of the stories that we've seen in the past, like the the victims who end up being possessed by these demons. We get to see them break through every now and then, but it's really more so about the fight between the demon and the priest themselves. And in this, we're getting a different take than what we've seen in a lot of these previous films, because rather than focus on the battle between the demon and the priest, and yeah, there is a central demon antagonist who has a connection to Sister Anne, um, there is more of a focus here. Um, there is more of a focus in this placed on Sister Anne actually connecting and soothing these victims who are fighting through this demonic possession. We're getting more from the victims this time than what we usually do. And I know what you're thinking. Didn't the Exorcist do that really with Reagan? Not really. Like, we got to see, and I don't mean that as a negative thing, we got to see how they're running all these tests on her, all these medical tests, and ultimately results in this. Look, it's got to be a demon. We have to call these priests. We have to do an exorcism. Yes, we do all of that, but... We didn't really focus that much on why, like, this possession kind of happened in the first place. Like, what caused this to be set up? Like, yeah, like, you know, she played with, like, the Ouija board and all that kind of stuff. But that, that's kind of weak sauce. And, again, I don't mean that as an insult to the Exodus. Exodus is fantastic. But it was an interesting take that um, we actually don't care at all about the traditional stuff happening between the priests and the demons this time. The stuff that we usually be focused on is very much placed in the background of this film when these scenes are all happening. And that's such an interesting take to go with. Now, Sam is no, uh, he's no visitor. He's, he's not new 
to exorcism films. We did 2010's The Last Exorcism, a film that is decent enough there, and I know a lot of people really enjoy that one, so he's getting the return to this world of demons, possessions, and exorcism with a script written by Robert Zappia. And Zappia's script actually brings up something else quite different and exciting from previous exorcism films, because again, we're not even focused on one sole possession. Most films that go about exorcisms are really just focusing on one victim, and that's it. That's what the entire story about is about, is about this one person and how this priest is going to make a connection to this demon, and they're going to fight it off. And Pray for the Devil actually features numerous possessions and battles with demons within. This allows Sister Anne to actually experience multiple exorcisms uh, that make, make things actually feel kind of like a superhero origin story. Um, you get to see her big success, you get to see all these failures that she has, that all leads to like this big showdown with the big, big bad, the one that's been hunting her for a while, and you'd actually kind of think you're watching like a Marvel movie of sorts, because it's, it's almost like it's being set up as a franchise starter, as Anne is perfecting these skills. Now with that though, that's unfortunately also uh, the, uh, some of the weaknesses for this film as well, because spoilers, there are spoilers here, some odd ones. The majority of these exorcisms are failures. Uh, it should be seen as a learning curve. It absolutely should be. But the issue is, is that there's a big implication that Anne's powers are the only thing that's really working in this movie. That uh, that she can reach these victims, but even like the experienced priests who are doing these exorcisms, they can't actually exorcise the demon. And the problem here with that is that it gives an inconsistent tone that undermines, like, especially the ending of this film quite a bit. Uh, like I said, it's almost like a Marvel movie, so it's like we're hinting at the further adventures of Anne and these powers. Uh, it would serve as, like, an opening to all these sequels, but again, it's like, well, if Anne's the only one who knows what she's doing, who is she learning from if she's the one that's getting things right? Uh, and in addition to that, Sisters and like uh, Sister Anne's demon has a past connection to her, but there's also very much an unneeded twist uh, that gets added to that. As one of the victims who's going through like possession and has this demon inside of them, uh, they have this connection to Anne, and it actually takes more away than it adds to the story itself. Like Anne's arc would have been perfectly serviceable had it just been focused on this particular demon finally getting a chance to get to Anne after hunting her for so many years. Like, we know that she's able to connect to these victims, cutting through the possession themselves, and she's incredibly compassionate and sincere. So we don't really need this twist to endear Anne to these victims anymore. She's a great person, so she's already endeared to all these victims that she's encountering. And that's especially because Byers, who plays Anne, is actually putting in a really, really good performance. You can actually see her as someone who's gone through this childhood trauma, who's hurt, who's been through this pain, who's been through this fear before, is trying to translate that into something productive. She's earnest in the way that she wants to truly help out all these people that she's encountering. Um, but it gets even messier because, like, for example, they have a character played by Christian Navarro who is almost set up to be like a love interest in some ways, but with our character's position, it doesn't really make sense. It's out of place because it, it's only slightly hinted at. And it's like, you could have ignored this completely, and it could just be a friendship. It could just be their two colleagues. There doesn't need to be any kind of hint of romantic, like romantic gestures there. Now, in terms of scares, you're going to get 
all your standard exorcism fare. Evil eyes and dry, cracked faces, uh, contorted smiles and twisted necks, figures in the shadow and all these erratic jump movements, but Crow doesn't really bring anything new to the table. That said, it is likely to elicit some screams from the, uh, uh, from the teenage crowd who might end up checking this out like on a random weekend night when they're doing a sleepover or something. Ultimately, even with these issues, I actually think I'd be up for a sequel because I think Anne's power and her perspective was something unique to, uh, to this genre that absolutely lends itself to more stories. I think it would be interesting to follow Anne as she trains more at the Vatican while also assisting in on like field exorcisms because it seems like obviously that's what they were trying to set up is that they're going to pull her to help out with certain exorcism cases that are going to pop up. Um, focusing on Sister Anne and these abilities manages to give a fresh spin on what can sometimes be a one-note kind of story. Uh, but the combination of like these unnecessary twists and showing that none of the characters, including Anne, actually are having much success with anything in this film, really stops Pray from the Devil from truly exercising its own demons. So you can check Pray for the Devil out right now. It's available for rent and for purchase on streaming platforms. Go ahead and check that out, and I'll be back in a second with my thoughts on Episode 4 of The Last of Us. Hey everybody, looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria magazine subscriptions as well as 20% off any other items in their fantastic shop. This is a great deal. If you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription, now is the time to do so. Head to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDEW. Welcome back to T-Watch is a Scary Movie. We finished up talking about Pray for the Devil, so now we are here to talk about Episode 4 of The Last of Us. Please hold to my hand. So, we finished the previous episode. Uh, it ended with Joel and Ellie getting a car and making their way further west as they try to meet, uh, meet up with Joel's mother, Tommy. And this episode was really nice because we finally get to see some bonding between Joel and Ellie. Obviously, those first three episodes, I get it, episode three, we don't really feature them that much. They just have a little bit of time in there. But the past three episodes have really been showing, uh, when it comes to Joel and Ellie, Joel's standoffish nature to her. Obviously, based on what happened uh, 20 years ago with his daughter, he's very, very reluctant to form like this new relationship, this new bond with another kid that obviously reminds him of his daughter. Uh, she is very much cargo to Joel. She is not family, as he even tells her to her face. And so we start to see a lot of these cracks begin to get broken down, which makes sense because The Last of Us, uh, at a lot of times, is very much this, uh, it's this road trip movie. Uh, like, it, it's almost a buddy, a buddy film, because the whole idea is that these two are going to grow closer to each other, not in a romantic way, but they're going to grow closer to each other over their time together, because we know that's what we're leading to. Obviously, even without playing the game, you obviously know that we're leading to Joel uh, looking on Ellie and caring after Ellie 
as if she was his own, okay? That's the idea here is that Joel's going to see his daughter Sarah and Ellie and make that kind of connection. So it's nice to see these tracks starting to get broken down, and we even get to see uh, Joel doing some actual parenting because we know their relationship has been very much like, uh, you know, this is an older teenager, and here's the older out-of-touch guy, and, you know, you don't get the stuff I'm saying. You don't think I'm funny. You're kind of an asshole to me. And again, we get to see Joel kind of being put in certain positions, like with the dirty magazine and uh, like with the corny jokes that Ellie tries to tell him. And I love seeing those walls get broken down because it's, it's been a very natural earned journey between the two of them. So it's been nice watching, uh, watching them get closer and closer, especially when it's uh, when their connection is over tragedy. And Ellie is finally given a chance to come off as truly scared because in some of the things we've seen in over the past three episodes, uh, we don't really get to see a lot of fear coming from Bella Ramsey's performance. And I don't mean that negatively, but Ellie hasn't been set up yet to truly be scared of what's going on. Like, yes, even when they're being attacked by the infected, by like clickers and zombies and everything, um, she's scared of that happening. But not truly. Like, realistically, there are other horrors besides these monsters coming to eat you. It's the horror of people, of what everybody else in this world is doing now that the world is gone and it's destroyed. And we get to see some of that as they arrive in Kansas City and they're ambushed over people who are trying to steal all of their supplies. And Ellie is forced to hurt somebody in order to save Joel's life. And it's interesting because we get to see how badly Ellie's wanted a gun. Yeah, of course, it's for protection. She wants to take care of herself, but also she's a kid. And to be blunt, you know, she's at that age where guns are cool to kids. And that's a thing. I mean, that, that shouldn't be taboo. You know, I grew up and guns were a cool thing. You had toy guns all the time. You played games where you're shooting guns and everything. That's, what in, that's what's in cartoons. That's what's on TV show. And Ellie is, is maybe not the typical kid because she grew up with everything that's going on. But she's in a world to where this is still something that's extremely cool. And part of the reason why Joel's trying to keep, like, guns away from her is because he doesn't want her to have to be the one to ever do this. Because it's not necessarily about the infected. It is about the people around them. And this lesson gets shown again as Ellie ends up hurting somebody. And afterwards, connecting with Joel, um, you know, Joel has to apologize to her for having to do that in the first place. Because he didn't want her to be in a position to where she would have to worry about something like that. Um, again, this is another way to break down these barriers between Joel and Ellie. It works fantastically, getting to see the emotion between them both. And you start to see that this is now, uh, it's moving on from Joel looking on Ellie as a piece of target, as somebody he actually cares about because she's now saved his life. And as they arrive in Kansas City, they realize that they're staying under the radar from all these people because, again, there are other things in this world to worry about, and as we get introduced to Melanie Linsky's Kathleen, who was sold somewhat cold for killing a doctor who may have been involved in the death of her brother, that people are only going to get worse and worse as this infection goes on. Now, we're hitting another very important part of the game coming up, the introduction of brothers Henry and Sam. So I, I'm excited to see where we're going to go to that in the next episode, but uh Police Hold of My Hand did a great job of endearing us more to this relationship between Ellie and Joel. I'm excited to see that broken down even more between the two of them as these episodes go on because that's the greatest thing about The Last of Us is seeing these great character relationships that they have with one another and eventually what that will cause certain characters to do. Uh, I did have a worry, though. 
because Melanie Linsky's character Kathleen is completely new, not somebody who's based from the games. Kind of like what they did with Bill and Frank. They adapted that story a little bit more. I have a worry about where this storyline is going, and I'm going to try to go into it without giving spoilers for the second game. But I get the feeling that the point of this is that Kathleen is going to end up maybe not being a romantic interest to Joel, but there's going to be some sort of finding common ground between her and Joel, and that she might end up ultimately joining him and Ellie on this trip to get to the Fireflies, and that when that leads to season two, that Kathleen will have a very, very much important role to play there. Now, I don't know, because Moni Linsky still has obviously yellow jackets and movies and all that kind of stuff that she's doing, so I don't know if that's the intention, is that Kathleen's going to be a character that lasts that long, but I'm very intrigued to see what happens with that. Uh, either way, keep watching. Uh, we get our next episode. Episode 5 is actually debuting this Friday because we got the Super Bowl on Sunday. So HBO is trying to make sure they get eyes on that episode before it happens. So HBO Max, you can catch H, uh, episode 5 of The Last of Us early this Friday. So make sure to check that out. I have my review up for y'all actually uh, a couple days earlier than normal. I'll probably have that up for y'all on uh, Monday or Tuesday next week. So appreciate you joining me, folks. Make sure you are back next week when I'm going to be talking The Outwater. And, uh, yeah, check out episodes of The Last of Us on HBO Max. Hey, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode, movie review, game review, whatever it is now at this point. Don't forget, if you want to get subscribed to my official channel so you can stay up to date for when I'm dropping new episodes, reviews, news, whatever it is. The best way to do that is get subscribed to my link tree. That's going to be linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. Again, linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. That'll keep you up to date with new videos, podcast links for the audio-only version, as well as my letterbox where you can find written reviews. Get subscribed, and don't forget, keep watching scary movies, folks. Stay scared.